This is the Dallas Morning News. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're elevating how Texas banks. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome to Sports Day Cowboys, a podcast all about the Dallas Cowboys, brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Michael Gelkin. And I'm Calvin Watkins. You know what, Michael? I am back after taking a week off. And you know why I was taking a week off? I was at the Senior Bowl in lovely Mobile, Alabama, talking to Cowboys officials about what we've seen, what we've heard, and what we were also talking about. It was a little lonely last episode. Welcome back, Calvin. I'm curious what you learned at the Senior Bowl after you spoke with a lot of people, Jerry Jones. Stephen Jones and the man who largely runs the Cowboys draft, Vice President of Player Personnel, Will McClay. And outside of talking about what we talked about at the Senior Bowl, we'll also talk about the Super Bowl. Eagles and Chiefs, they're going to play in uh, uh, Glendale, Arizona. I think it's on Sunday, right? Super Bowl still played on Sunday. And we're also going to hear from Jerry Jones, the man himself. Sports Day Cowboys starts next. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome back, Sports Day Cowboys. I don't know about you, Calvin, but I love the Senior Bowl. I'm a little jealous that you're able to go to Mobile, Alabama. There's some good food. The weather, frankly, is usually terrible. I don't know how it was this year, but all these coaches, all these scouts is one of the rare events in the offseason calendar that serves as something of a convention where everybody, by and large, is in some form in one place, the combine more so. But what were your impressions of having been there? You know, the best thing about the Senior Bowl, you're right, is the people and, you know, we talk about Mardi Gras in New Orleans, but really Mardi Gras really started in Mobile, Alabama. Just ask literally anybody in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> They're very proud of that fact. Very proud of that fact. And Mardi Gras starts a couple of days after the Senior Bowl. But before we really get into, you know, what Cowboys officials talked about, the Senior Bowl is under siege because there are other, you know, postseason bowls, I guess all-star games, if you will, like the East-West Shrine game that are trying to take over the Senior Bowl. And that was a, another major topic of discussion uh, to Senior Bowl officials that, hey, there's some bowl games uh, attacking them, trying to come after them. And, and I've always thought the Senior Bowl is kind of like the start of the draft, the start of the offseason for a lot of teams that don't make the postseason. 
And the Cowboys have drafted a, at least one player from the Senior Bowl for several straight years. I think they drafted something like six players who participated in the game mm-hmm. last year. So there is a lot of talent there. And I think that talent is the edge that the Senior Bowl has on the East-West Shrine game, on the NFLPA Bowl, and some of these others that pop up. Not to say that those aren't games where talent can be found, but the Senior Bowl is still considered the creme de la creme. And one of your favorite players, Zach Martin, played in the Senior Bowl. Dak Prescott played in the Senior Bowl. So the Cowboys love this event. Jerry Jones uh, attended the Senior Bowl. Uh, He got there late, but he was there. I don't know if he watched any of the practices, but he was there. And, Michael, the biggest thing to me is he made it official by saying Mike McCarthy is going to be calling offensive plays in the 2023 season. And after we got back from the Senior Bowl, we found out that Brian Schottenheimer is going to be the offensive coordinator. I, I guess the offensive coordinator will do something, but the bottom line is McCarthy is calling the plays. Just your thoughts on and what you've read and what you heard from some of the, the video clips from Jerry about McCarthy calling plays. The one thing you can say about McCarthy and his style is that he's kind of a, a roamer where he, mm. at the facility, you know, he might be one with Clay's office. He might be you know, just going to walk on through room to room, room to room. But his fingerprints are less on the Cowboys, you know, not to say their actual on-field product because he does a lot. I don't want to minimize that. But when you look at the offense, it's more, it has been more Kellen Moore than Mike McCarthy. And defense, he's obviously largely hands-off with the way that Dan Quinn runs that show. John Fossil owns special teams. So, again, those fingerprints haven't really been on the Cowboys as much in that traditional sense when you think of a coach these first three years of Mike McCarthy's tenure, but that's about to change dramatically this year. And to me, that's the fascinating aspect of it, where if something's wrong with the offense and people want to complain about it, we're not going to hear, you know, fire Kellen Moore, fire Kellen Moore. I think naturally some of that attention is going to be directed at the head coach. And that to me is what... In some measure, you know, this move isn't about that uh, per se. It's it's Mike McCarthy feeling strongly he can make the Cowboys offense better by being a play caller, by being more involved in some of the schematic intricacies of this offense. But in the fallout of that, to me, McCarthy, especially going into, you know, what could be, you know, what would be the fourth season of a five-year contract. And who knows with his future, unless the Cowboys extend him this offseason following 25 wins in two years. Um, you know, it's, if things don't go well this year, I think it naturally puts that blade a little bit more directed to the head coach. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the things Jerry Jones said is that the offensive coordinator is going to be the busiest man in town. And that's going to be Mike McCarthy, in a sense, because as, as Jerry pointed out in the Senior Bowl, we're going to implement the West Coast offense. And when McCarthy came here, he basically kept the the timing-based offense that the Cowboys had used under uh, – uh, Scott Linehan and Jason Garrett, and then how he got transferred, obviously, over uh, to Kellen Moore. But another thing, and, and there was a lot of topics with the Jones uh, boys, as, as Tim Callister likes to call them, was Ezekiel Elliott and how the Cowboys said, hey, if, if it works, we want him to come back. And I had asked Stephen Jones, does the eye test tell you that Zeke's okay? And and Stephen Jones said, well, you got to look at the type of plays that are being called in a run game. You got to look at the type of fronts he's seen in, in the run game. So he felt like Zeke is fine. And I, I was kind of stunned by this uh, because, Michael, we have seen Zeke the last couple of years, and I think there's a regression there from him. Yeah, and I think define fine or define we're happy with Zeke because mm-hmm. 
Zeke's going to be paid a lot of money. At least he's scheduled, and that's an important decision. <laughs> he's scheduled to be paid a lot of money in 2023. Now, the Cowboys are saying we're open to having Ezekiel Elliott on our roster at some number in 2023, but them complimenting him isn't saying we're happy with his number. We want him back at that number. So I think reading between the lines, okay, they're open and willing to talk numbers with Ezekiel Elliott. But say the Cowboys want him to take, I don't know, the minimum or $2 million Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And Zeke thinks that he's worth more than that. Then where does that leave the Cowboys? Where does that leave their longstanding relationship with Zeke? I think all of this will be dictated by the NFL Combine because that's Rocky Arsenault, Zeke's agent. That's his opportunity to talk to other teams around the NFL. Hey, if Zeke was to be released, what would his market be? What, what would you guys be willing to pay him? And I think once you get a sense of what his market would be as a free agent, that gives you the ability to come back to the Cowboys with a bit of a reference as to what your client is worth uh, from a market standpoint. Another topic of discussion is one of my favorite topics is did the team make a mistake in trading um, Amari Cooper? It felt like they, they cut Amari Cooper because they got basically nothing in exchange for him when they made that trade with the Cleveland Browns. And Jerry Jones said the $20 million that they saved instead of sending out checks to Amari Cooper Incorporated, they said they felt like the money that they spent was worth it. And 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 Jerry did admit, Michael, that one of your favorite guys, Jalen Tolbert, the expectations was too high on him. I like you just say people are my favorite guys. I, mean, <laughs> I don't even know where this comes from. Keep going. I'm sorry. But I know Zach Martin's got to be your favorite. Everyone loves Zach Martin. How about that? You give me that one? Can you give me that one? I don't know if I have favorites, quite honestly, but keep going. You're on a roll. Go ahead. Anyway, Jerry said, hey, look, we were too much ex- expectations were on Jalen Tolbert, and we got kind of messed up there. Now, Jerry wouldn't admit that they made a mistake because he felt like the money that they would have given Amari Cooper, they gave it to Anthony Barr, and, and they gave it to Jonathan Hankins and T.Y. Hilton and, and those kinds of things, and that was beneficial for them. But I just think it was a mistake and that going forward, they better draft them a, a legit wide receiver who could really help them. Uh, Michael Gallup, as you reported uh, a couple of weeks ago, that he's, he needs surgery. And he got the surgery on his ankle and his knee. So he, as, as I was talking to Will McClay about this at the Senior Bowl, and I said, I guess Michael Gallup was really beat up the whole year, basically. And he was like, yeah, Gallup was hurt the whole year, recovering from the torn ACL. And now he needs a minor surgery, basically a scope on his knee and a cleanup on the ankle. So maybe next year Gallup might emerge as a number two guy. But to me, the, the cutting, uh, or I say cutting, because they got nothing in exchange for him when they traded him to Cleveland of Amari Cooper was one of the biggest mistakes that they made in the offseason. I don't know if Michael Gallup can be the Cowboys' number two wide receiver in 2023, but mm-hmm. it would be a mistake. It would be a mistake to plan for him to be the number two wide receiver. If you get a lot out of Gallup, he's able to bounce back strong, fantastic, great. But that can't be your plan A. You've got to plan otherwise. And I think that was the failure for the Cowboys last season. Was it a mistake, you asked, to have traded and almost felt like you said a release on Amari Cooper? I don't know, but they were unwise with the way that they went about it. There's a saying that wisdom 
is the ability to anticipate consequences. And the Cowboys moved on from Amari Cooper, but they put a whole lot in of, of their eggs into the Jalen Tolbert basket, into the Michael Gallup being able to give you much coming off of the ACL and a February surgery at that basket, being able to sign James Washington. And that was really about Amari Cooper. That was more about giving yourself some relief and a bit of a insurance in case Gallup didn't pan out because that's really the comp there in terms of their style as a game. And Washington suffers the fractured foot on the first day of pads and doesn't catch a single pass all season. Jalen Tolbert catches two passes all season. If you were to tell me if like, the Cowboys got so little out of those two after moving on from Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup was going through the struggles, physical and mental, that he experienced coming off that surgery, I would say, yeah, of course the Cowboys aren't going to be in the Super Bowl. A couple teams are in the Super Bowl. We can talk about that. But no surprise, just from that vantage point, given the way that the Cowboys were unable to anticipate the consequences that they are not playing on Sunday. And, you know, the Cowboys haven't been in the Super Bowl in a long time. I don't even know if me and you were born last time they were <laughs> in the Super Bowl. That's how, long, <laughs> that's how long it's been. And we'll talk about that a little bit later because Jerry has some interesting thoughts to say about just their plan and the 49ers and, and the Eagles and all those kinds of things and Dak Prescott, who, who we haven't even gotten into. But I, I want to leave the senior bowl for a minute and I want to ask you, because it's been on my it's been weighing on my mind for, for a couple of weeks. And the Cowboys have struggled in the second round of the draft. And going back to Kelvin Joseph, I can go back to Randy Gregory. They just haven't found a quality player on a consistent basis. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I asked Will McClay about this, about second rounds and and Kelvin Joseph. And he said, we expect Kelvin Joseph to, to, to turn that corner. And now that we're in the off season and we've had a chance to put our pajamas on and sleep on some things, what do we what do we make of Kelvin Joseph and and whether or not that cornerback position is solidified enough opposite Trayvon Diggs and if you're comfortable enough giving Deron Bland basically the starter's job in 2023? Well, just like an impactful Michael Gallup as your number two wide receiver can't be the Cowboys' plan A, I don't think Kelvin Joseph giving you anything on defense should be plan A or even plan B. Without a doubt, Deron Bland is more advanced today. And that was something that I think we even said, I know it was, we, we, it's not in the, this podcast, it was said when we, we wrote it or we tweeted, whatever, it was said in training camp. It was said in the preseason. It was very evident before the season that Deron Bland was ahead of Kelvin Joseph. And I think the problem with Kelvin Joseph is kind of the problem of the second round. You mentioned the Cowboys have more misses than hits of late. And mm -hmm. when you look at some of the gambles that the Cowboys are willing to take in the second round, they're okay with putting aside character or immaturity, immature uh, Tristan Hill, immature Kelvin Joseph, who had some issues off the field from a legal standpoint uh, before he got to the NFL. And then, you know, Sam Williams, we are too early to write that book. And I think to some level, we're too early, but maybe definitely less so, uh, to write the book on Kelvin Joseph. Uh, but, you know, he, you were talking about a player who missed a game, a critical game against the Eagles on Christmas Eve because he was driving 98 miles per hour and plowed into a 71-year-old woman on Preston Road in Plano. So those themes that the Cowboys were aware of before the draft, before the second round, 
they were like, okay, you know what? The ability, the upside, we're comfortable with that risk and the reward has not risen to that risk enough in the second round. You know, um, just what you said about Sam Williams. And I remember, I think we all, we all spoke to him after that car accident and we were like, good, thank goodness that you're okay. You know? And, and now that we've got more information about him going over 90 miles an hour. Still true. Uh, we still, still thank goodness he's okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, no doubt. And on the city street and, and you go, and it just hit me. You missed a, a key game. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, because of basically reckless driving, you know, and, and when you talk about character and you talk about just thinking, you know what I'm saying? Like if, if I, if I got to go to my daughter's wedding, I can't be late. I can't be going a hundred miles an hour. Cause I might get pulled over and get a ticket. Then I'm going to miss the wedding. So I got to be, I got to think ahead. You know, I got to make right, the right decisions. And you hope that Sam Williams will make the right decisions going forward. Same with Kelvin Joseph, who made a terrible decision hanging out with some dudes uh, over last summer, or was it two? Yeah, last summer, basically. Last spring, yeah. Last spring, yeah, last spring, and and I think I wrote this. I said I don't draft second round picks to be special teams aces. I'm drafting second round picks to get on the football field to play their specific position, whether it's offense or defense, not special teams. And in the 2023 season, we need Kelvin Joseph to be a, a contender as one of the starters at cornerback. If not, I got to send him home. Because that's a wasted pick, in my opinion. And you hate to say a bust so early in his career, but what what more can I say? And if Deron Bland Mm -hmm. is everything that the Cowboys believe Bland is, it helps the way you view that Kelvin Joseph pick. Because I think we often get caught up in, and rightfully so, I'm not dismissing the fact, but from once once a guy gets in the building, it doesn't really matter a whole lot in terms of how he got there. Terrence Steele was undrafted. Doesn't matter the way that he played. Kelvin Joseph, if, you, if he was a, f- a fifth round pick, the way Deron Bland was, and Deron Bland was a second round pick, we really wouldn't even be having this conversation. But I think it's the expectations associated with each of their draft slots that makes the Kelvin Joseph pick one that attracts a lot of criticism, rightly so. And it's one that makes the Deron Bland pick look even better. He, he led the Cowboys as a rookie with five interceptions and really helped him down the stretch of his versatility, having never played nickel before his rookie year in the NFL. Well, hopefully in 2023, for Kelvin Joseph's sake, he will get his act together a little bit more on the field on defense. And, and I really like Sam Williams. I think we've all come to like him as a, as a young kid. And He's your favorite. He's one of my favorites. He's one of my guys. <laughs> he is one of my guys. And, and I thought he had a really good season. Um, but when we come back, Michael, man, I, I, I might need some tea because we're going to try to understand what Jerry Jones was saying at the Senior Bowl about why the fans should feel confident about the future of this franchise and why they should be confident in Dak Prescott. Sports Day Cowboys returns next with Jerry. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. 
dwell on the fact that we have won 24, 25 football games over the last two seasons. Dwell on the fact uh, that we've been one of the leading winning teams. Dwell on the fact that we've had some of the best personnel in the National Football League. Dwell on the fact that you have Dak. I like that. Dwell on the fact that you have Dak. Seriously, focus on that. Focus on a Dak being better. He's right. He will be better at turnovers. Uh, focus on that and focus on a coach that's come in here and in three years and what we're trying to do has had the results that we've had. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a, I understand why when you look back and say, well, San Francisco and Cowboys haven't been to a Super Bowl in 25 years, okay, and haven't won a Super Bowl in 25 years. Mm -hmm. I understand that. San Francisco is the same boat. Uh, but my point is that has not been the same for 25 years. There's been many different things done over 25 years the same way there would have been had you changed out general managers or the same way that you do if you change out owners. Uh, I have to change in the in my mirror. I emphasize that. And uh, because uh, I'm, that's what I'm saying to our fans. Uh, uh, I like uh, uh, I like the incentive that I uh, and uh, we have uh, to win. Uh, uh, we push a lot out there. It's it's contrary to some things. It is critical that we win, and we work to win, and we've won a lot of football games. And uh, but it's important to win a Super Bowl. I get to go back and I can look and see how close we've been on about four or five different occasions over the last several years to have actually stepped out there and been on the field. I see how close it is that we're not out there this weekend. It's close. And so uh, uh, we've got the, uh, we've got to our fans, we've got the substance, uh, we've got the players, we're gonna have more players, uh, we've got the coaches, uh, we're in for a, a, a great run of a combination of that for next year. You talked about looking in the mirror yourself. Does your quarterback have to look in the mirror himself a little bit too and also say, I got to change up how I do these. I need some different voices. I'm not going to speak for him, mm -hmm. but I don't know of anybody that probably looks in the mirror more than that mm -hmm. and, and is into self-correcting, uh, self-improvement. That's what he's about. That's, that's the outstanding quality. He takes what he gets. He takes all he can get from whether it was Kellen or whether it's Mike or whoever. He takes all he gets from his coaching, puts it on the practice field, and he goes out there. And he does uh, and is very open to uh, doing it better, which doesn't necessarily mean different, but doing it better and can mean different. All right. We love talking to Jerry. Sometimes our editors, you know, when we send in these quotes, Mike, our editors are like, what does this mean? And then I have to say, well, you had to be there. You know what I'm saying? But then that doesn't translate on in the printed paper, you know, in the newspaper. So, Michael, let, let's help the people understand what Jerry is talking about here. Jerry believes that the Cowboys have won 24 games the last two seasons and at the arrows pointing up. Should Cowboys fans feel good about that? I think in some sense, but to tie how people's feelings should be because of 24 regular season games that are won, 25 if you include the postseason. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what this whole deal is about. The Cowboys ha don't have, I mean, they have five Lombardi trophies on display in the lobby at the Star. 
you know, that's the expectation that they've established. That's what the goal is. And so just because the wins are there, I think that's enough to give you some belief that, you know, you're somewhat on the right track. Certainly under Mike McCarthy, it's gotten better each year. But I think there's so much more nuance as to state of the organization beyond what its win total is. So I don't know. I, I think it's it's something that you can feed reporters and you can tell fans that, yeah, we've won a lot of games. But to me, the, the devil's in the details. And okay, you're drafting a lot of talent. That's great. What are you doing to resign that talent so you don't lose it in for agency? And being able to sift through are who are the guys we want long-term, who are the guys we, we want to avoid. And knowing which long-term contract to avoid is more important or as important, I would say even more important, than which player you give a long-term extension to because of the ramifications if you're wrong on your salary cap for years to come. So, I don't know. Yeah, you, you, can, have, <laughs> you can have hope. You can have hope, but I don't I, I think that's a little uh, it's a little cheeky for me. <laughs> okay, now let's go to the quarterback. Um, everyone was up in arms when Stephen Jones said, yeah, we're open to extending Dak Prescott. Michael, as you know, uh, QB1's got two years left on his contract because he signed a four-year extension worth over $160 million, one of the highest contracts in franchise history, if not the highest, I believe it is. Um, Cowboys fans are not happy with this. They, Some of them want Dak to be gone, but obviously that's not realistic. And I, from what you've heard from Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones and maybe even people you've talked to outside the organization, is this lip service? Is this something they have to say to say, we love Dak Prescott, he's our guy? Or are they really thinking, oh my gosh, this man led the National Football League in interceptions last year. What are we doing with this dude? I believe this is the way the Cowboys feel. Their wagon is hitched to mm-hmm. Dak Prescott, I think, from a football standpoint, but financially. You know, when you sign a player to $40 million a year and then you restructure that contract, pushing cap dollars into the future multiple times, that only solidifies that commitment. If the Cowboys were to move on from Dak Prescott, they'd be in cap hell. And look, have quarter have teams done that with quarterbacks? Yes, yes, they have. The Eagles who are playing on Sunday did that with Carson Wentz, turning out pretty good for them. But to me, so much of the conversation that matters is the conversation that it doesn't sound like it was it was had enough in Mobile. And that is, okay, you're open to having Dak Prescott for 10 years, but are you how but you've got to get Dak Prescott more guys who can get open because I think that's the one thing that if the Cowboys are being realistic behind closed doors that they're able to conclude is that Dak Prescott was not able to elevate the guys around him the way that they hoped a $40 million a year quarterback would. And I think they didn't realize how much they were asking him to elevate the town around him because of the aforementioned points of what little the Cowboys got from Gallup and Tolbert in Washington. But even still, Dak wasn't exactly the savior, and he cannot be asked to be the savior for this offense. I, I don't care if they're running the West Coast or the Wean T. I, I don't care who's calling plays. You've got to give Dak Prescott more help. And fortunately, there are some quality depth. There's quality depth at tight end in this draft. And receiver is something the Cowboys got to get. And Odell Beckham Jr. is a, is a door that is still open. And so they've got to do a lot to get this offense surrounding Dak Prescott in line and if you're, it's really difficult to, to do that when you are giving so much to your running back position, especially if the, the Cowboys are to franchise tag Tony Pollard. It just 
it doesn't really make a whole lot of financial sense to, to give that money to your running back position when your quarterback is in his second contract. So I think the Cowboys have real problems. And again, just to circle back around, all those problems have nothing to do with 25 wins in two years. No, uh, they do not. Um, I will say, while Jerry is open to bringing back Odell Beckham Jr., and I saw some videos, I don't know if you saw them, uh, we saw Beckham running around on a football field. It looks like he's he's going pretty good. But, uh, but I will tell you something. A Hall of Fame wide receiver sent me a text a couple of weeks ago. And he said, I'm ready to c- come back. And so I was decided so to look at the number, and the area code was like out of Atlanta. And I said, you ready to come back to do what? And he said, I, I want to play. Tell Jerry. And I said, Terrell, I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah. And, and I said, Terrell, they need an offensive coordinator. Can you do that? Well, I wonder who the I wonder who the, who the Hall of Fame uh, receiver was. Keep going. <laughs> and he and I said they need an offensive coordinator, and he was like, "Nah, I'm ready to be a receiver." So we get to so I get to Mobile, right? So I run into one of the executives, you know, and I say, "Hey, you know, Terrell Owens sent me a text. He's he's ready. He's like Dion. I'm coming. That's what you know. He's he's, he's ready to, to come back and play." And that executive said. He's older than um, Jason Peters, right? And I said, yeah, I think so. I don't have pro football reference to look at people's birthdays, but yeah, I think T.O.'s about 50-something. And he's like, he needs to stop. He, he needs a life. And and I, I tell you this story is because the Cowboys, that's how they are. That's how they operate. They operate crazy. The, you know, they were flirting with Odell Beckham Jr. toward the end of the year last year. They got my behind at, at the Mavericks game chasing Odell Beckham like I'm TMZ, knowing this man cannot play, you know. And and, and that's what they are. They're like a, a, a circus. They're like, it's, it's, just, it's just crazy how they operate. And it's really a mom and pop operation like the Lakers, but they're a billion dollar corporation. And you just wonder if they get somebody else in there. And I know the fans would love for Jerry to relinquish the GM duties, which he's not. And you could say, Will McClay is a de facto GM or whatever you want to call it. And, and, and people say, we love Stephen Jones to take over. But some of this is Stephen Jones's handiwork too now. It's not like Jerry Jones is by himself and making these decisions. Stephen Jones is sitting right beside his dad now making these calls. So, but the, the Cowboys like, like me right now, all over the map. That's just how they operate. And until they can get something solidified with their game plan and this draft and develop plan is what they're on right now, I, I just don't think they can win the Super Bowl anytime soon, bro. That's just, that's just how I feel. T.O. turns 50 years old on December 7th. Oh, the wow. Only, the whole get your popcorn ready stage of his life is over unless he is serving people popcorn at 18 <laughs> That's, that's so it's so mean. Well, obviously, right? I mean, the whole thing is just such a, such a ridiculous concept. It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> Anyways, not a shocker. I mean, he's always loved being the center of the attention, center star. But yeah, that's. Uh, I think we spent enough breath on that. Yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm fascinated. You started out so mysterious. Where there was a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and then by the end, you you, you did me, you did everything but give me T.O.'s social security number. So, uh, <laughs> you thought I was talking about Jerry Rice? I could have been talking about Jerry Rice. You know, that's true. That's yeah. true. Jerry Rice was telling Will McClay that he could play right now. Like when the 49ers played the Cowboys, obviously we were there in Santa Clara, California, and Jerry Rice was on the field, he got this big medallion. He was telling Will, I could play right now. I, I could I could do the nine route. I, I could do all that. And and no, 
They're like boxers, man. They're like prize fighters. These guys think they can play this sport to like 90 years old. Yeah, how old was Tom Brady? 45? I, I need a drink. I, I, this, these, these dudes cannot play. This is a young man's game. Even Jack and Titanic knew when to let go. And that's what these guys need to do. <laughs> I All have right, never what? seen that movie, by the way. I just wanted to say that. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, uh, I mean, it was, I think it was like 1998 or something. I was in like in sixth grade. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think you'll need to see it. Your heart will go on. All right. We'll, we'll go on to the next segment here. Sports Day Cowboys. We're going to talk Super Bowl next. Hey listeners, this is Damon Marks. I'm the Cowboys editor for the Dallas Morning News. That includes the Sports Day Cowboys podcast that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is the nonstop news cycle that is the Dallas Cowboys. But beyond that daily adrenaline rush, being able to reveal the human side of the players you watch on TV is a privilege. Calvin and Michael talk to these players each week to bring you the behind the scenes stories that you can't get anywhere else. If you want to support this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. And we're back for the final segment of Sports Day Cowboys, the Super Bowl on Sunday. It really should be an unofficial, it really should be an unofficial holiday that Monday after the game. I don't know about you, Calvin. I don't know if I'm just ready to unplug after a long season that it was, you know, a little jaded or or whatever it is. But it's hard for me to get excited by this matchup. I mean, not to say that they aren't two really talented teams. There's a whole lot of storylines, but I I don't I'd be lying if I if I said I really cared a whole lot about it, which I I don't know. That probably isn't a great start for a podcast (laughs) segment. But I don't know. Is there anything that really excites you about this game, I, I don't know. I, I I've turned really into a curmudgeon here. Uh, what, what do you what do you think of this this matchup and this game? Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of nice. There's some historical value here. This is the first time we've got two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. Pat Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts, and, and that's a, a fantastic. And it shows you where we've come from at, at that position. But outside of that, I mean, I don't know. Um, when when Damon Marks, our editor, is going to send out the predictions, I might, I don't know. I might pick Philly because I've seen them more than Kansas City. But I don't know if I care more about that or more about LeBron James trying to surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to be the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Or if I care more about the Knicks, if they're going to make a trade at the trade deadline. I don't know. It's just, to me, this is, this is a, a interesting game because I really don't care a whole lot about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll watch it. Obviously, there's a pretty good history of some really good football being played in the Super Bowl. Like mm-hmm. there, there have been a lot of close games over the past decade, and even games that started as blowouts. You know, you not to leave the television just because of how tight it can be and how memorable and epic it can be, especially with, if Tom Brady's playing. But right. Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, these are two quarterbacks that are – starting their legacy obviously Mahomes is deeper in his but what the way we talk about Mahomes years down the road is going to be predicated on games like this and so I think that part of it from a legacy standpoint you know what you're talking to me with Calvin um, I think that'll be that'll be interesting to see I think the Eagles offensive line is the best unit on the field mm. and 
I think the Cowboys know this pretty well, although when the Cowboys beat the Eagles on Christmas Eve, they were going through on that offensive line. Uh, you know, they were not 100%. Lane Johnson exited that game, and that really changed the dynamic of that game with Micah Parsons being able to tee off. But overall, you know, Jordan Maialata, you know, uh, center Jason Kelsey, uh, you kind of go on down that line. It's a really, really good front, and that often is where these sorts of games are won. It's where the Chiefs lost their last Super Bowl because the offensive line was was disastrous uh, on kind of injuries. But Mahomes should have better protections. I, I think it, it will be a, a good game. So I, you're, you're, it's starting to grow on me. I, I got a couple days here until Sunday, but needless to say, I will be watching. Okay, maybe we'll. Now, interesting thing, too, about these quarterbacks, Mahomes got one leg because, remember, he uh, got a high ankle sprain. And then Hertz has been playing with a, with a shoulder injury basically for the last month of the season. I think he missed, what, two or three games or whatever it was. So we got two quarterbacks that come in, that are coming to this game banged up, and it just tells you how you have to be a real tough guy to play in the National Football League. So, so it'll be interesting to see how Mahomes moves in the pocket. Um, I thought in Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game, I thought the Bengals were really going to get a tee off on him, and they really didn't. And Mahomes moved around pretty good. And with the extra week between the conference championship game and the Super Bowl, I thought I think Mahomes might be a lot, a little bit more healthier uh, than he would have been if that game didn't have the bye. Um, but there's another thing that that that's interesting about the Super Bowl. I remember the when the teams arrived at the at the site of the game. Everyone it was a lot of hype, and then there was the media day, and and now it's turned to a media night. And I didn't watch any minute of it. And I would like to know what the ratings are for for something of that nature because it was like the opening night of the Super Bowl, and it's kind of like oh, okay, the teams are here. We'll see you on Sunday, and 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 maybe on Saturday night I'll wake up and I'll order three pizzas and maybe get some. I don't know, Diet Coke or something, Diet Pepsi, or and I'll watch the game, and maybe I'll text you, Michael, and say, I'm into it now. Maybe. I don't know. But I, I'm still not into this game. I think I'm going to pick the Eagles. Um, there are some local ties here. Clark Hunt, who's the chairman of the board for the Chiefs, he's from Dallas, and Lamar Hunt, there's a, a rich history there. The Hunt family lives, I think, next door to Jerry Jones in Highland Park. So there's something going on there, you know, and that kind of thing. But outside of that, and the historic nature of two black quarterbacks playing the Super Bowl and the Hunt family and being from Dallas. And I forgot Pat Mahomes is from somewhere in Texas. And I think I saw his dad at a lounge a couple of weeks ago. He's a great guy. And Hertz's dad's from Houston. And Hertz is from Houston too, right? So, sure. A lot of Texas ties here. I should be pumped. But, you know. Well, now I've got to ask, Calvin, because you're talking about ordering your Super Bowl Sunday meal on a Saturday night has me thinking – what is your go-to Super Bowl dish? The one thing that during the game, before, after, what have you, you just got to have? Uh, that's a good question. I really don't know. Um, I don't know. I guess traditional wings and chips, dip. Uh, I like blue cheese dip. Um, I'm not. A, I like cheese pizza, even though a friend of ours thinks cheese pizza is for little kids. I like cheese pizza. Um, I don't know. You like cheese pizza, Michael? Or you like meat lovers? You tell me. Um, I guess neither. Uh, but I probably uh, I forgot. That was a dumb question I, on my part. I forgot <laughs> who I was talking to. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I guess cheese is like a margarita pizza considered cheese pizza. It's margarita pizza. It's a margarita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 like, who I was I, talking to. That's, I got like I, that's queso. My I'm dumb. I'm dumb. 
Queso's good. Let's get out of here, Calvin. Let's get out of here. That's all the time we've got for Sports Day Cowboys this week. Thanks so much for listening to us. This episode is produced by Damon Marks. You can listen to every episode as well as all other kinds of audio from Dallas Morning News at dallasnews.com slash listen. And you'll find a special membership offer there just for listeners. If you want to listen to Sports Day Cowboys, check it out wherever you listen to podcasts like at Apple on Spotify. If you have any questions, you can ping us directly on Twitter at DMN underscore Cowboys. Or you can send us a voice memo. We love that. The voice memos, you can send that to us at DMNCowboys at DallasNews.com. For the news, the Dallas Morning News, I'm Calvin Watkins. And I'm Michael Gelkin. We'll see you soon. Enjoy the game. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.